With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. It's time to go inside the film room with veteran scout and coach Chris Landry and Scott Seidenberg. It's the Football Film Room Podcast. Hello and welcome inside the Football Film Room alongside veteran scout, coach, and consultant Chris Landry. From LandryFootball.com, I'm Scott Seidenberg. We hope you enjoyed Championship Sunday. Congratulations to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs on reaching Super Bowl 55, which we played in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers home stadium in Tampa. The first time, Chris, that that has occurred where a team is playing the Super Bowl in their home stadium. There have been teams who have played relatively close to home as the San Francisco 49ers played uh, at, where was that game? That was at um, Stanford. Stanford. So that's relatively close. And I believe there was the Rams and the Rose Bowl, right? Uh, so, Rose Bowl. Or the Yeah, Rose Bowl, not the Coliseum. Uh, yes, that year. Yeah. at the Rose Bowl. So there have been teams that have played relatively close to home. So you can practice in your same facility. You sleep in your own bed. But – Never have we had a team play in their home stadium. Uh, this is going to be quite the matchup, Chris. Two great quarterbacks, two great teams, and we saw one heck of a Sunday of football last weekend. Yeah, you know, certainly um, it was was interesting. And, you know, I think the storylines definitely are about the quarterback play. But I think as, as relates to Tampa, it was their defense that really was the key in them winning that game. Um I thought getting stops, you know, Brady was not as sharp as you normally expect Brady, but was good enough. And then for Aaron Rodgers, I mean, um, you know, it, there's no doubt that the Packers defense struggled early and, and took them a while to adjust. And yet they gave Aaron Rodgers three really good shots to come back and win the game, and he couldn't do it. I mean, in, in the end, it was – there were opportunities there. So um, it was one of those games where you're going to see the loser was going to be kicking themselves. But listen, just give credit to Tampa. Um, all year long, we've talked about it. This team, you know, looked like it had potential. Wasn't sure I was buying a Super Bowl run at the beginning of the year. When I mm-hmm. watched them play through the course of the year, I definitely was not buying it in the early part. But they just weren't that good. But they get, keep getting better and better. You know, that old keep sawing wood. Keep keep grinding. Keep going. Keep going. A little bit better. A little bit better. A little bit better. A little bit better. And it just goes to show you, with the weapons they have on offense, with the improvement on defense, when you protect the football. And Brady had some mistakes. But 
when you don't have the massive amount of turnovers that they had last year, the Bucks that is, it was pretty much, you know, a team that a lot of the pieces were put together last year that just kind of came together. And, and it just doesn't come together. You have to work it and make it kind of come together and get it on track. And it took like all year. And during the course of the season, got better and better and better. Let's remind folks, and this is always a lesson that got beat and got beat handily by the Saints twice. This mm-hmm. year. And then came back and we discussed this last week. I'm not going to revisit last week's show, but Saints kind of had a chance to almost knock the Buckets. Couldn't do it. Bucks survived. Bucks made plays. Saints mm-hmm. made mistakes. So Bucks, while they certainly Brady turned the football over, they played a cleaner game than did the Saints, than did um, the, uh, uh, the the Packers. And they're here. And, you know, the you look at what the Packers could do and couldn't do, it just wasn't good enough. And, and let's credit the Bucs with that. Just really good job. They were able to run it effectively enough. They worked the short passing game effectively enough, but it was defensively. Man, they really rushed the passer well. And, you know, I think the one thing that could make this game pretty competitive, the Super Bowl game, is the health problems at tackle for the Chiefs against this Bucks pass rush. Because otherwise, I'm hoping for a good game. We're going to save the breakdown for next week. But <laughs> I tend to think this could be a lopsided game, if not for the tackle issue. And we're going to get into that. We know Eric Fisher's out. So that's not going to change next week at this time. But I, I do think that in the NFC, it's it's a perfect example of who was the great team in the NFC this year. There wasn't one. Mm-hmm. There really wasn't. The East had nobody. The North had a good Packers team that earned the number one seed. They earned it, but never did they look dominant. The Saints were clearly the best team in the South, but never did they look dominant. Mm-hmm. Certainly no team in the East was very good. And the West of the NFC, which we thought, hey, somebody's coming out of that NFC West and it is going to be iron sharpens iron and somebody's going to be really good. The Niners collapsed with injuries. The night, the Seahawks cannot play good defense. The Cardinals collapsed. The Rams just weren't good enough. So while some of those teams were good, none of them were great in the AFC. We saw a really good chiefs team that at time maybe played cat and mouse with certain teams, but clearly are good. And let's give credit to that chief's defense. Boy, have they risen up big in playoff games last year and this year. Again, that's a, that's a big untold story as well. And, and I think Buffalo ended up playing pretty well. So the strength was in the AFC. So no surprise in that the chiefs took care of business. Think we thought, you know, the NFC, who knows, you know, mm-hmm. how it could be. So that's where we are. And it's going to be the old guy, the old guard quarterback and the young guard quarterback. That's the storyline, no doubt. But I do think we need to look at the trench, the play in the trenches and the defenses and how they stepped up. Because um, while the offenses may uh, may score and may sell a lot, sell a lot of jerseys. It's it's the defenses situationally that really uh, allowed these teams to get to where they are now. 
Yeah, and the Bucks, the, their defensive front just had a, an incredible game. The the return of Vita Vea certainly uh, sparked them. Jason Pierre-Paul was just all over Aaron Rodgers all game. I thought he played phenomenally. And, and you look also in the secondary, Chris, they were without Antoine Winfield Jr., who had such a great season this year. And he's going to be back for this Super Bowl. That's just such a huge addition to this uh, Bucks defensive secondary. Uh, I just thought Tampa outplayed uh, Green Bay in that matchup. And, you know, Bruce Arians outcoached Matt LaFleur. And everyone's yeah, gonna, there's no question about everyone's, that. Everyone's going to talk about the play at the end of the game, Chris. But there are so many different plays over the course of that game that would have prevented that situation even happening. But that being said, we did get to a spot where it was fourth down. Aaron Rodgers should have ran on third down. We know that. Maybe he scores. Maybe he gets pushed out at the two, and it's an automatic decision to go for it on fourth down. But he tried to throw it. It was incomplete. So you have a fourth down decision here. And Matt LaFleur decides to kick a field goal to go down five instead of attempting to go for the touchdown. Now, it's an eight-point game. So there's no guarantee that you're going to even get the two-point conversion to tie the game anyway. But I liken this situation to the way that I was so critical of Mike Tomlin for punting against the Cleveland Browns. And that is, Chris, and this is the simplest way that I can explain this for our audience. And please, we welcome your comments and your questions on this show. You are a part of this show just as much as we are. So please join us in the chat room. Either way you slice it, no matter what the outcome of that fourth down play was, incomplete pass, touchdown, whether you miss the two-point conversion or whether you make the two-point conversion, no matter what the result was, you still needed your defense to stop the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and get you the ball back to win the game. Because at best, you're only tying the game. So no matter what, you needed your defense to come up with a stop. And if that's the scenario, I choose to go for the play with the greater reward, which is the touchdown. Because either way you slice it, I'm asking my defense to get a stop. I'd rather have the ball only needing a field goal to win the game rather than have the ball looking to just tie the game or potentially win it. That's just my two cents on the play. Yeah, look. Decisions like this, in-game decisions, I try to tell folks, it's about what's the highest percentage chance. And I know we are living in the world of analytics. Here's, well, the analytics tell you it's the wrong play. Yeah, well, here's the thing about, though, analytics, and they're different views. Certain folks interpret things differently. So here's the thing about not just pure analytics, but in general. It, it, it factors in overall numbers throughout every team in every situation. That's not football. It's not cookie-cutter football. So, for example, whether you go for it, go for two, go for one, go for it and fourth down, all those things are situational. Analytics are just generic. We call it gut feeling in football, but gut feeling is about what's going all right, fourth and one, Scott, how well am I blocking the three technique? Am I struggling with that or am I having a lot of success? Makes a big difference. Analytics doesn't figure that in because it's factoring in everybody. You want to be a little bit more specific. In this case, 
there are a couple of things that jump to mind. In that situation, the best percentage chance in that game for the Packers to win down by eight is to go for it and fourth down and convert it and then have to convert the two points. Not easy to do. That means you have to hit at that point. You got two plays and you got to score two touchdowns mm-hmm. in two plays. You got to mm-hmm. both. You got to do it. You got to do it. It's, but you got a chance. You've got a quarterback. It's a good defense. You've not had success on first, second, third down. No gimme. And not saying, oh, the chances were good. They were not good. You put yourself in that situation. But your best chances at that point were to find a way to make two plays because you have a chance with two plays. You got to make the first or else the second one you don't get a chance at. But that's the best chance. It's better than your defense has to come up with a stop against a great quarterback that could maybe, if nothing else, pick up a first down, and you never even get a shot. Then you never have a shot. And people will point towards, well, they called that play and it was holding, but why did they call it now? I get it. Everyone would have liked to have seen Aaron Rodgers in a viewing standpoint, if you're not a Bucks mm-hmm. fan, of course. Everyone would have liked to see more football. Anybody would like to see one more shot versus we can kneel down now. I mean, you know, the game's over. We just want to see more. I get that. But the bottom line is you put yourself in that situation, and it was the right call. Um, There was nothing that egregious with the pull shirt that was so obvious that was missed in the other part. There were other bad calls, yes. But, again, I I don't – but that is the best percentage. Now, I'm going to go back, though. I'm going to go back to – the, and this is where I I, I wasn't clear enough. It's my fault. I'm going to go back to where I think analytics gets them. Remember – Earlier when the Packers went for two. And yeah, and they missed it. They missed it. Mm-hmm. Well, analytics say you go for two twice in the again. Understand your situation. Understand how you're having success or not against certain looks and your ability to run it, your ability to throw it. I, again, that factors in to me. Now let me just say this. They kick that extra point, and that is not a guarantee make, mm-hmm. but a high probability. You're down seven. Now, I ask you, I ask rhetorically, or I ask, I'll give you my answer. They're down seven, and it's fourth down. Probably go for it because mm-hmm. now instead of having to have two plays, it's really one. It's one and an extra point that should be a gimme. I think it makes a big difference on how they played it. I also think there was probably some miscommunication on the play call on third down mm-hmm. because I think there was an assumption that they were going to go for it on fourth down by the players and the quarterback in particular. So maybe they do something different if it's a one down. I, I just think that whole series of convent uh, of events weren't best, but again, that's where the analytics, I think, get you. Early in the game, let's go analytics say. Analytics, it's fine to hear what they say, but what does this game feel like? What does this game look like? Does it marry up with what the analytics say? I want to know what the analytics say, Scott, mm-hmm. but also I'm going to use the football acumen and say, you know what? I don't care if it says to go for one. They can't 
they can't stop us. We are blocking them easily. And you know what? We got a field goal kicker that's shaky. I'm going for two, even though analytics say go for one. On the other hand, if it says go for two, now I'm not talking about late in the game where you have really no option but to go for two. But I'm talking about if you got enough time, you begin to chase points. And what happens, you get further and further down. Now, all of a sudden, you end up, instead of being one possession down, you're two. Instead Mm -hmm. of two, you're down three. And then you got problems. So I I think – so if you're in a situation where, you know what, analytics, it says go for two. But you know what? We are, like, pulling teeth trying to get in the end zone. They're a really good red zone defense. We're struggling. We're going to be smart. And we're going to see if we can – keep this a one possession game without mm-hmm. having to score. Uh, I mean, I think going for two, having to, to, you know, make two to tie it down eight is psychologically difficult. So I'm going to try to work my way to keep that, that alive. And, and again, if I feel, even though the analytics say one thing, I'm okay with it. If it matches up with how I feel my chances are, of executing said play or a series of options that we might have there. And I, I think that – I just think that they kind of missed a little bit of the boat there because I think down seven, it would have helped them. Look, you go for two and you get it, man, it's a big, big boost mm-hmm. of confidence. Man, when you lose it, it's a big loss of confidence. So be aware of the aggressiveness of it. And I think one thing – that came out of it, what what does most people say? Well, Bruce Arians won this because he was the more aggressive guy. Matt LaFleur, he was inexperienced, and he didn't take chances, and he lost. You're right. But Mm -hmm. if Bruce Arians had fallen on his face and thrown a pick six at the end of the first half, or, you know, then it's like, oh, aggressive, foolish, dumb Mm -hmm. guy. That's dumb. You know, that's just the way it is. So I always look at it. You can't look at the results and say that was a good decision. You have because the decisions that we got to make as coaches are all about situation and what do you feel your chances. Now, I do think that it said for Matt LaFleur that I don't feel good about our chances of making a play here. So he thought his best chance was we're going to get it into, you know, we're going to have to come up with a stop because I don't think we can score twice. And again, if, even if you tie it, you still got to stop Tom Brady from going mm-hmm. down and scoring. But you know what? We're gonna we're gonna sell out. We're gonna go ahead, kick a field goal. We got to get a stop. And who knows if they don't commit a penalty, and if it is incomplete, and Aaron Rodgers comes back and scores and wins it, you know, then it's like, oh boy, it paid off. But the bottom line is, so it it wasn't a good or bad decision in my mind. But in my mind, it wasn't the highest percentage play because to to get the ball back and to have a chance to score was going to be tough. Uh, Yet they almost almost had that. They were maybe one play away with having what a minute, a minute Mm -hmm. change left to go down, you know, down um, five. Yeah. Just wasn't wasn't to be. And you're right. So many mistakes made early. I thought defensively, I thought Mike Patton really struggled early with a lot of defensive play calls that, that cost them. 
but I thought they made some adjustments, and yet I thought the Pack had their chance. They got back right in the game, didn't they? I mean, yeah. got back <clears throat> and had chances. But you know what? For Matt LaFleur, you have to have confidence in your team, yes. You have to be aggressive, yes. But you know what? I'm going to tell you something. As a coach, you're there. You got three plays, and you can't get it done. And you're 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 about to say, we are not able to crack the red zone defense. I got to go and I got to complete two mm-hmm. back to back to tie. You, you, you tend to think, mm. I mean, every coach wants to have confidence, probably should have gone for it because you never know. But where they were headed, the percentages probably weren't great that they were going to complete back to back plays offensively. But you know what? I thought it was their best chance. <clears throat> and either way, they fell short. Well, here's the play as we look at it here on uh, this was the third down where, you know, Packers fans are not going to want to see this, Chris. But, you know, Aaron Rodgers, I'm not saying he scores a touchdown. He might not score a touchdown, but there's a lot of green grass here for Aaron Rodgers to pick up a couple of yards and make that first down a little easier. Now, this is the angle I think that's really going to show how much room he had. If you just look at it here, Chris, I mean, he he has the option to take off and whether he gets to the pylon or not, certainly if he picks up a couple of yards here, you know, he's got the, the, the decisions made. You're scoring and that probably was a hold there, but you're scoring. I mean, you're going for it on fourth down. If he gets to the five to the four to the two. Look at all this green grass. There's some room there. There's I think I thought looking at it live that there might be a shot, but I wasn't quite sure when I went and looked at the coaching tape, I thought there was a really good chance there again, before you look at this, keep in mind situational football. He's under the impression based upon his comments that let's look at this first. So look, there's, you got two guys that have got to get off blocks that are going to meet him at the top. He is going to have to, make somebody miss or bowl mm-hmm. over to get in because getting to the pylon is going to beat the guy on the hash, but the guy in the end zone's coming off that block. He's going to have to get some after contact, an after contact yard. Cause I think if you look at it, I think he clearly gets to the four to the three and that's where we're dealing between the, the two, in the one yard line, yeah. there's going to be contact made from the top. Again, you don't see it now because the ball goes out, but I agree with you. I think there's a chance, a good possibility he makes it in. And almost like the, I, you know what I kept thinking of? This could be John Elway and the Whirly Bird play against the Packers when he went all out. That's what I thought Aaron Rodgers would do. But here's mm-hmm. what I want people to keep in mind Aaron Rodgers is under the impression on this play that they're going for it on fourth down. Yeah. So, you know, he's trying to fit something in. He's got another play. Just there is nothing there, my friend, nothing. And the one thing that I just, you know, I think that would have, in my mind, he's thinking I got another play and I'll pick up a few yards. I'm not going to make it. I'll just take take my chance on fourth. But I'm with you. I I think there you got to take a chance in that moment to run and to try to see if he can't get in. But but the guy at the top there that we saw is the guy that he would have to beat. It would have going to be one-on-one, and, you know, you hope that your receiver could maybe impede him enough 
to where Aaron Rodgers could get in. But, you know, obviously he gets in. Now the play's made. They still got to convert a two-point conversion. So it does not mean that there is a tie on that play. There is not. You got to have a two-point conversion. So, look, the Packers didn't do enough. There was some definite, you know, coaching decisions. And I, I would say this, maybe one of the better plays, I know we didn't have it, but I, I don't know, the, the last play of the first half was huge. That's what I wanted to get into next. So I want yeah, to talk good. about that one, and and I want to get into this next play, which is the Scotty Miller touchdown. And just to remind people what was happening at that moment, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were looking to punt the football uh, on four, on um, what was it? Fourth down, right? So they mm -hmm. were going to punt the football, and I'll bring the play up here on the screen so you can see it. So they were going to punt the football, and they decide they're going to go for it. They convert the first down, and now there's six seconds left in the first half, Chris, and you're thinking maybe a quick out to the sideline so they can just set up a field goal, but this is what Tom Brady well, does. And there was, but poor coverage or poor called coverage caused Brady, I'm sure, to check this because he's not throwing this if there's two. You got to have two deep coverage here. Deeper than the deeper, wider than the widest. You've got to do the best you can to defend them getting closer for a field goal. But you have to absolutely eliminate the possibility of giving up a big play. You're in cover one. Look at this. He beats him. He crosses the face to Scotty Miller. And Brady just checks it. Once he sees their man-to-man -man in cover one, he knows he's got man-to-man -man on the outside. And we're going to take a look at it again. Hopefully, we can see the alignment because this is key from the end zone shot if they'll show it correctly. Uh, you can't quite see it. What, what, what you would see is the technique that they played. He's played inside. He gets beat to the outside. So let me, if we could, and we'll go back to, let's look at it right here, and let's go back to look at the wide shot. And I'm going to tell you why this play should have never happened. This was not the play called in the huddle. So let's take a look at this outside, okay? You got a deep safety at the top. I'm pointing here for those who are looking. So there you go. You got the deep safety at the top. You've got the receiver playing, the corner out there playing outside technique. Okay, that means that he's he's in danger as he as we see the snap, he comes inside. There is nobody to help him. So what you want to have is two deep coverage. So they should be two deep safeties. Okay, they're defending against the field goal, but what you have to do is have two deep safety. So the the corner could play outside technique with safety help over the top. Scotty Miller crosses the face spins the corner down and he basically runs outside of him and you got no safety help. So it's man coverage on the outside and it's a great throw, not a great, if it's not a great throw, it's not a completion, but the guy has got speed. When you've got Scotty Miller, what can he do? Well, what rock can he one run? Well, speed, he can run the vertical rock. Brady sees it. It's cover one. You got no safety help. It's man coverage. He's going to him. That's when he decides it, not before. You got the safety coming up way too late. You, you can't 
You have to have too deep coverage. You can't give up an easy score against a guy like Brady. Yes, they might complete it. Yes, you might give up three. You got to do your best to play underneath it. But this was an aggressive defense to try to take away the short route to prevent the field goal. As Scott mentioned, they're trying to get in field goal range. Instead, they're ill-prepared to play for the deep ball. In this situation, you have to play too deep coverage, in my mind. You have to, A, prevent the deep ball, okay? And then you got to do the best you can in your dime package to play the underneath to defend so against the field goal. You got to do both, but you sure as hell can't give man-to-man coverage on the outside to give up a play. To me, this was huge. And yet, as we said, the pack. Still got back in the game, but I thought this was really a tough play. What's crazy is, and Brady must have checked out of something because yes. all yes. of the receivers are all goes. If you watch it, the routes, all of the receivers it is. are running streaks down it the field. Is. That's what I'm saying. He mm-hmm. This was not called in the huddle. Mm-hmm. There's a different play. He has the freedom to check out of it. Once he saw single high, it is all go because you got, you got all goals against single high. Where is the, the single high safety going to go? You don't care. He's going to go somewhere, and you're going the other direction. You got man-to-man. Boom. That becomes a man-to-man against a speed receiver. Well, he's got great weapons. He recognizes it pre-snap. Maybe not everybody's as comfortable doing it. That's the difference between having a great quarterback. This is what you don't do if you're playing against a Tom Brady that's <laughs> going to be able to notice that. You show single high early. You got your opportunities to get a big play. Look, if it's not a great throw and it's a drop, and you know it's, that's a different story. You got to still execute it. But it's the ability that defensively you've got to do what in that situation? You've got to take away the deep ball, prevent any chance of the ball getting behind you. Deeper than deepest, wider than the widest, you can't allow it. Underneath, you don't want them to complete it and get a field goal. You don't. But that is the better alternative than getting beat for seven. So you've got to play, in my opinion, you, in my opinion, you play too deep man under, and I think you can get a, a, a linebacker dropping playing in the short middle to help out underneath. And, you know, if you do that, particularly, you know, um, if you do a good job of matching up, pattern matching underneath with, with, a, with a short middle help, you've got a chance to defend that short route, but you also don't give up the 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 deep safety help by cheating a deep safety up because then you basically become man to man and you you can't cover those speed guys that wasn't a really good fit you certainly don't want to have king up against miller in that type of situation so you want to have the ability to have two deep coverage there so that you can have a corner playing outside technique funneling it inside so that you can cover the out route and you've got safety help inside so that that play does not happen. It's incomplete, and then at that point, if they're going deep, it's incomplete, and they're kicking, well, I don't know. They're probably going for it again because it's too long of a field goal, but maybe they try it. Um, And if they go underneath and check down and hit it, you know, I think they had a timeout. They probably get it off, but you got to defend that separately, but you've got to defend both, but you have to first protect the deep ball. They didn't. And it was, look, it didn't end the game for him. I thought it might end it, but it didn't end it. But that was still a big factor. And if you if you take that four-point differential, 
I mean, what are we talking about then? Maybe the game's a little bit different. It's played a little bit different, I know. But what are we talking about? We're talking about a four-point differential, aren't we? Well, maybe when when we're going down and we're talking about breaking down the play that we just talked about at the end of the game, maybe the Packers are going in for the win as opposed to trying to get it and then get the two-point for a tie. Completely different ball game, as we all know. Let's go over to the AFC where, uh, and I want to show you a video here from NFL Films uh, in just a second, but it, it highlights what I thought was a pivotal point in the game and also um, just an incredible moment on the sideline with two leaders, and that's Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. And what happened was, at this point in the game, McCall Hardman fumbles the punt, Chris, and the Bills are up 9 nothing in this game. Should be 10 nothing, but it's 9 nothing in this game. And McCall Hardman is down on himself on the sidelines after botching that punt. And just watch this clip from NFL Films and what goes on. And they do such a tremendous job. But what goes on on the sidelines here and what was the ensuing uh, result as we – I'll maximize this for you. So that's Patrick Mahomes telling him, hey, you're going to make a play in this game. Okay, be you. You're going to make a play in this game. And what happens on their next possession? They they made a point to get the ball. Here we go. To get the confidence in him. And, you know, there's no doubt about it. And that's a part of knowing your team. That's a part of making sure that you you get a playmaker in. You get him kind of build his confidence. And that's really a good job all around by understanding it and understanding it from a player standpoint and understanding from a coaching standpoint, how are you going to deal with situations? It's little things like that. They have a lot of weapons. Look, they're never out of a game. Um, You know, so you can be down and you can find a way to make plays. And, you know, yeah, sometimes when you're explosive, you take chances, you make mistakes. You've got to minimize those. Those can be costly and it could have cost them. But, you know, you, you also have to, you have to go about it with an attitude of you got to put it behind you. And, and you got to trust your guys. You got to trust you your do. guys. There's no question about it. There's no question about it. I mean, and who, you know, people say, oh, it's easy to trust your guys. When you got, well, you know what? It's a chicken egg thing because, you know, you mm-hmm. got to trust your guys, but then you got to have guys that make plays. Look, look at look at how many times it's fourth down, you know, you, you, fourth and one. You get to your quarterback. Go make a play, you know. Somebody's going to get open. Somebody's going to catch it. Somebody's going to make a play. It's like they got so many options in which to beat you. It's pretty, pretty doggone impressive. But that game, Chris, as as good as Buffalo has looked all year long, and they really did look great all year long. And you and I talked about it with the Chiefs playing with fire all season, and, and they they haven't covered a spread since they beat the Jets after Halloween, and they play all these close one possession games. And the Buffalo Bills, you could argue, were the most complete team going into the postseason. They didn't belong on the same field on Sunday, Chris. No, they didn't. Uh, you know, look, here's the thing that the Bills have to focus on going into the offseason. they got to learn how to develop the running game a little bit better. Um, I mean, I think that – and they need another playmaker. Look, what's the difference between the Bills and the Chiefs? The Chiefs got all those uh, – I call them cheetahs. They got all those little – not cheaters. Yeah. Cheetahs. They got, yeah, they got all, those, uh-huh. all those little cheetahs that – I mean, they just – they're running around and they're just explosive and – they got all those weapons. The Bills don't have quite as many. They've got a quarterback that can run. They got a quarterback that can throw. They can quarterback put up. Got to improve the running game 
even get more playmakers. They can be more chief-like by getting more playmakers. And then I think defensively they've got maybe a couple of areas that they need to, uh, to improve upon. Look, they're getting there. They're getting better. Um, the Chiefs had a really good team that lost to the Patriots before they got in. And then they, you know, they turned it around last year, and then now they're back again to the Super Bowl this year. The Bills need to stay the course, you know, kind of keep certain people in you know, the core, make good decisions. They've drafted well. So I like where they are. I mean, they got a great quarterback. I mean, you know, I think it is absolutely fair to talk about Josh Allen in the same, you know, conversation with Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes is better, is more accomplished, but they also have more talent. So if you're Buffalo, you need to look at some of the things that you need to do better and and I think you're going to be back. There's still the team to beat in the East right now. And, and uh, right now, Kansas City's on quite a bit of a run, but, but I think that Kansas City has got a better well, – Kansas City is not built to run, but when they need to run, like remember when they played Buffalo the first time in the mm-hmm. early part of the year, they did nothing but run the football on the Bills. Bills went – you know, play. the Chiefs know how to run it. Now, they know how to run it against six-man fronts, and they got a lot of spacing to run it, but the Chiefs can run it. And the Chiefs can play better defense right now, better situational defense, particularly out of nickel than the Bills do. And those are two things that I think that separate the Chiefs from the Bills right now, and and that's something the Bills need to work on. Because if you're Buffalo, you know who you got to beat now. You know that you've got to – the division is not given to you, but you've got to figure out a way to beat the Chiefs, and if you can beat the Chiefs, yep. you are not only the favorites to win your division, but you are, you know, you're right there as maybe the conference favorite. Favorite. So the Bills will be back. I'm very confident. You know, it's amazing. If Kansas City doesn't lose that game to the Raiders, we could legitimately be talking about an undefeated team going into the Super Bowl because they lose that game to the Raiders. They rest their starters in Week 17, and they lose that game. If they were undefeated, they wouldn't have rested their starters, and they probably finished the season unbeaten. And and it's you know imagine that storyline: an undefeated team, and then Tom Brady's the one going up trying to uh, <laughs> trying to. Stop oh yeah, that. no, yeah. You know what? Um, it's interesting that you mentioned that. That's not one. That's not something I thought about at all. Um, but as you mentioned it. Yeah, that they lost that one Raider- time. That, that this team lost one game. I don't. You don't <clears> count the last game of the season. Because Mahomes didn't play, nobody played. Right. They this team lost only one game, and that was the Raider game. And had that not happened, they would have they'd be an undefeated team right now going to the Super Bowl. And you want to know a crazier stat. Patrick Mahomes has not lost a game by more than one possession since his days at Texas Tech. Mm. Like it, it, think think about that for a second. If you look at his career in the NFL, he has not lost a game by more than one possession ever in the NFL, and it happened at some point. I could find the exact date of when it happened in uh, when he was at Texas Tech, but that is there's some there's a couple of staggering stats. That's one of them that I thought that was pretty interesting, and the other one was that Tom Brady has played in 21 NFL seasons, Chris, and has made the Super Bowl now 10 times. That's uh, 47%, a little bit more. Stephen Curry 
has a career three-point percentage of 43%. Therefore, mathematically, it's more probable (laughs) that Tom Brady plays an NFL season and makes it to the Super Bowl than Steph Curry takes a three-pointer and makes that basket. <laughs> there's, your, there's, your, there's your some analytics, folks. Uh, no, it's uh, – well, and think about this. It, he doubles now the second um, most appearances by a starting quarterback <sighs> in pro football history. Doubles it. I mean, just uh, just incredible. And, look, I mean, we're dealing in the Super Bowl era. There were some, some teams that made the NFL championship um, – you know, and NAFL championships prior to, but just what he has been a part of has been phenomenal. Uh, we know the the great run with the Patriots, and um, I, I thought that he would give the Bucks an edge this year. Again, as I said earlier, with minimizing mistakes and not call giving the rest of that team to mature and gel. Mm-hmm. But I really, even with the you know nobody standing out in the the NFC all year. I never really bought into the Patriots as being the NFC representative until until they got to the point where they beat the saints and well, you're in the conference championship. You got a real shot, but I never really bought it. So kudos to them. You've got, you know, some big time receivers. You've got some good tight ends. You've got, um, you know, some other, I, I'm, I'm going to give a hand that there's probably not anybody that's graded out better as a rookie this year than Tristan Wirth, the right tackle of the Bucs. Been outstanding. You mentioned the, the defensive line uh, of the Bucs, and you mentioned the play with, I mean, both safeties out. But how about um, Shaq Barrett? How about um, uh, Devin White? Um, how about Levante David, Levante David, who has been a great player for years, mm-hmm. but just been one of those great players on the team. That's not even making the playoffs. Now he's starting to get noticed that defense has some talent and they've kind of put it together for a while. And, um, you know, you, you've just got a lot of pieces there. Sue's played well, had a good rotation. Pierre Paul has been good, but David to me, Shaq Barrett, they they're it's starting to come together and and with an offense that still I don't think they're quite as consistent running it. Ronald Jones gets hurt, and lo and behold, Leonard Fournette steps mm-hmm. up a little bit. Leonard Fournette, he of the not working hard, not really all that effective, not really good catching the ball out of the backfield, but he has helped them. Certainly was a big factor. They probably don't get out of the New Orleans with a win without his play and. He's helped balance it out and set up play action. And, you know, Brady, you know, what else, you know what else he's helped with too, Chris? And this is a stat that I brought up uh, last week when I was kind of handicapping the game and figuring out why I wanted to bet the Buccaneers against the Packers. And it's ironic that the situation actually came down to it at the end of the game. Now Tampa threw it and, uh, and they got the penalty, but um, there's a, the, the, there's a stat called power success rate. And what that measures is how successful a team is on short yardage plays in a must-have situation. So third and two or fourth and two where you got to have the first down or goal line plays where you got to have the touchdown from two yards or less. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the number one team in the NFL in power conversion rate. They get that first down. They get that goal line touchdown more than any other team. 
And Green Bay, conversely, their defense was like 31st in the NFL and stopping those plays. So I felt that if the game came down to a key third and one, the Bucs were going to convert it where you know Green Bay was, wasn't going to stop them. Leonard Fournette has helped out a tremendous amount in that category. Well, and in that that but that uh, I'm, I'm that is a little bit different stat than we use, but but you break you got to break it down though between how many of those situations are runs versus mm-hmm. passes because like the Chiefs are really good at that, but they throw they it a lot. It. But they throw it. Doesn't but just they, having it, a big back open ab- up the pass absolutely. there absolutely because you're play expecting act- them to give no, it to exactly. Them. So mm-hmm. my point with them is play action. Yeah. So they're so good with the tight ends and even with Evans, who didn't play a very good game. But oh, that play, Chris, we should have brought that that play to Godwin, where they did the play action on the short yardage play and snuck Godwin out, yes. which acted like he was blocking. And then yes. he went, that is such a tremendous play, whether that's Arians or Byron Leftwich or whoever designed it. That is such a <clears throat> tremendous play. No, it is. It's it's well, it's a lot of what you see now in the bunch sets where you you really get a guy in blocking, particularly in power sets, and you release him. So you can do that with tight end. Now you do it with receiver some, and you, hey, going to be cracked back. This sells this. So having that you just hit it, having the run threat, this mm-hmm. is why I always say, folks, everybody gets frustrated. Everybody wants to see passes, and everybody gets frustrating when it's runs yep. and you don't have a lot of yards. Well, they're only averaging. Okay. Remember the key stat in, in one of the key stats in football, take pass completions and rushing attempts in each game, mm-hmm. study that every game. And there's a rule of 50. If you come up with 50 and you combine pass completion and rush attempts, you're going to win over 85% of the games in this league. And the reason for that, and there's some exceptions. That's why it's not hundred percent is 85. You turn the football over four times. It's going to yeah. flip that around. But the reason for that is when you run the football, even if you don't have a lot of success in terms of yards, just what you're saying, you will affect how the defense bites up and it allows just a little bit of leverage for the receivers to get open on play action. It sets up the big plays in the passing game. So very often people say, you see, you run it, no good. They threw it. (laughs) The reason why it works is Mm -hmm. that it's set up by the run. I don't think people get that. Just like when you spread people out and you throw the football and you get them in what we call small on defense and they're chasing – Boom, you check in, hand the football off. I mean, you got you blocking five against five. I mean, I want a really good back like a Clyde Edwards or or any good back that's in this league. And he got to make one guy miss or mm-hmm. nobody miss. Are you kidding me? That's and that guy what, is a nickel back as opposed to a linebacker. Well, and he yeah. and he's a running back. And yeah. you know, I mean, now you got that's that's easier than throwing it 20 yards because you don't have even the threat of dropping it because that guy can run it. But that works because how you're able to dictate with the pass game um, with your spread sets. Well, when you have multiple weapons, it forces that. So yeah, there's, there's a, there's an element and there's a, there's a method to the madness, so to speak, but there's a, there's no question about it. And you know, the game's changed so much because it used to be so much power and you wanted to run short yardage. You ran with that. And, and now a lot of it with zone blocking and angle blocking, a lot of it is 
spacing and lateral movement, horizontal, getting the defense spread out, getting the defense biting. So you're down blocking, you're cross blocking, uh, reach blocking, and then you're, you're kind of gapping them underneath. People get frustrated sometimes. I get this a lot about um, people get frustrated with short yardage and goal line teams that go shotgun. Yeah, the reason why they, the reason why they go shotgun is they're zone blocking teams. They're zone blocking teams, which means they don't come off the ball and push people out. They're not built that way. They want the lineman, defensive lineman, to decide where they want to go. And then so if they take an inside charge, they're gonna block them where they want to go. If they take an outside charge, they're gonna block them that way. So if you run tight under center. It's not a problem with the quarterback taking the center exchange. That's not why they do it. But if you do that, well, if you're not, if you're a zone blocking team and you're an angle blocking team, you're a finesse blocking team, and you don't push off the ball, well, then the worst thing you want to be is in a tight formation where the defensive line takes its charge and you're right in the backfield and mm-hmm. they you got a loss. The reason why they do it is so to give enough space for the defensive line to take their charge. And it allows you to be able to do a couple of things. One, to be able to get an angle block to have a crease for the run, or if you want to pop a pass in an RPO setting. That's the difference. If you're going to run that kind of RPO angle style, well, then you can't do it. If you've got the best of both worlds, we'll say like an Alabama in college, you run some power. Well, then you can do a little bit under center and in the shotgun. But teams that go all the way, they go all the way because – you know what? They can't line up, move you off the football. You can finesse <laughs> and build with quickness on the offensive line and be an angle blocking team and say, okay, boys, now you got to go block somebody 60 pounds heavier than you are. Well, you're not built to do that. It's too late to do that. You've already built your team differently. That's why you see that. But I think the ability to be able to manipulate is so critical to, to your success in, in, um, in, in, in football in these strategical situations. So I got to tell you, we're going to get into more of it next week. but. We're one of the things we're going to have to do is for me anyways, to come up, how can the bucks win it? Because the reality is I see no scenario where the bucks can win this game without the chief's help. I mean, it's going to have to be a bad game from them. I think if even with their deficiencies at tackle or loss of Eric Fisher at tackle, which is going to be a problem. I still think if the chiefs play their game, if they play close, if they play their B plus game, mm-hmm. I think they win this game, and I think it's a decisive win. I don't think it's going to be as close as we all hope, but we'll see if what the Bucks what the Bucks can do, and maybe you know. And and again, it's it's getting it done. Um, the Bucks are going to have to run the football uh, because I think against Kansas City, you can run it. They play nickel very well, and so uh, it's it's going to be quite the matchup, you know, in terms of the game within the game. But it's going to have to be a great game by the Bucks, and it's yeah. it's going to have to be the Chiefs. They're off the bad start with losing Eric Fisher. That's tough. I mean, that's tough to replace. But I don't know if it's going to be enough to make this game that close. But we'll see. We'll get into that next week. I know. 
Yeah, we'll do a full Super Bowl preview coming up next week right here on twitch.tv slash Football. Make sure that you join us live 6 o'clock Eastern time next Tuesday night. Uh, you can join us in the chat room, ask your questions, tell us your thoughts about the Super Bowl, who's going to win, is it going to be the Chiefs, is it going to be the Buccaneers. Uh, we'll answer any of your questions as well. And if you want to listen to the show in podcast form, just make sure you subscribe to Landry Football's conference call wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Chris? I know up on LandryFootball.com, in addition to the Super Bowl breakdowns, uh, you got Senior Bowl preparations. You're going to be heading down to Mobile, Alabama for that. Um, And also there's coaching news that still has to be determined. Uh, The Texans' job is still open right now. Eric Biennemi could be landing that. Leslie Frazier, another guy uh, who could be in the mix there. What's the latest on the Texans coaching search? Well, I think I think we're going to know this week. I mean, I think they wrap it up this week. If they don't wrap it up this week, then it's got to be Eric Bieniemy. I mean, you know, and again, here's the, 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 I guess, the worry about doing it is, so when you do these interviews, you do them Zoom interviews, and then you bring them in in person. Well, you're not able to do that with Eric Bieniemy yet. Mm-hmm. So, or anybody that's still in the playoffs, but he's the one that that people are most interested and focused on. So, what you worry about if you're a team like the Texans, if you go ahead and you know have a meeting with Eric, and maybe you don't want to offer it, or he doesn't want it, or whatever, then you're back to you know that that, that then you're waiting an extra week. I think it's I think we'll know where they're headed this week because they're going to announce somebody, or they're going to tell us who they're going to announce. Basically. Yeah. Meaning, we're, we're, without telling us, we're going to know that they're heading towards Eric the enemy. Uh, we would think, uh, unless something blows up there. So, yeah, we've got all that for you. As you mentioned, senior bowl stuff, all the write-ups, getting ready with the draft boards. Got uh, the latest draft information right here. Working on um, signing day in college, second signing day. The remaining dozen or so guys that are still unsigned. Big day for USC this past week. Uh, getting stuff done. So we got a lot of that as well as all the news and notes in our notebook section each and every day. So check it out at LandryFootball.com. Take advantage of our scouting season special. Yeah, we got football season still. I got one more game left in football season. And, yes, we're going to get it in. And, of course, we know we're not going to have the typical hoopla around the Super Bowl this year. The mm-hmm. teams are going to be coming in on Friday except for the Bucks, who are already there. So they're going to be arriving Friday prior to the game. But we're going to get this football season in, and then it's going to be about the scouting season, the draft, um, everything leading to free agency. Um, so we're, we're going to be looking already towards putting the pieces together to get ready for the football season. If you checked out the Lions coaching staff, pretty impressive staff that they're mm. putting together. Don't know. We're going to see. They're going to trade Matthew Stafford. What are they going to do? Where is he going to go? We got going to have all that for you right here. When we break down football, we're not going anywhere, Scott. We're going to be here every week, and they're certainly going to be there on LandryFootball.com. So check it out. I know we switched our time. So those of you that used to are watching us at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central, what are you doing? Get with the program. We're an hour <laughs> earlier now. I'm just kidding. Join us when you can. Remember, it's 6 Eastern, 5 Central time on Tuesdays, the Film Room Podcast from here on out, because we've added another podcast, doing a, um Alabama tradition show with Alabama football with Ryan Fowler on this network. So 
check that out. We're adding new pieces together. So that's the other thing that we're going to be doing here during this scouting season. So yeah, a lot so of stuff going on. Absolutely. Scott. If you're listening to this in podcast form, just remember six o'clock Eastern time, Tuesday, a whole big game preview right here on twitch.tv slash Chris Landry football and follow Chris on Twitter for the latest breaking news and analysis at Landry football. You can follow me at Scott's on air before the big game. I promise you, I will release my betting pick for the game. So you don't want to miss that. I still haven't decided what side I'm going to go on. Maybe uh, next week will help me uh, decide that. But until then uh, for Chris Landry, I'm Scott Seidenberg. We'll talk to you next week right here inside the football film room. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay. Round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.